I'm Chris Lopez, your union brother on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and um, kind of excited today about today's podcast. Um, and I'm Juan Perez. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, sorry. And I'm Chris. It's not <laughs> who you were. You <laughs> forgot I was here. Juan no. Perez, organizing monster. Well, I was. I was. Well, I said I, I, what I was saying was that um, you know we're gonna be talking about mental health today, which is really cool. We're gonna talk about the strikes going on, and I, I was, I was thinking, you know, we're gonna have a podcast on mental health. I was like, well, you know, we probably don't want to be hungover today, you know. But we went to McGregor's last night, went to happy hour, and then after that, went to the casino, went to the casino, started playing blackjack, supporting. Uh, Supporting local local workers. So supporting local workers. Yeah, every but, worker, even if you're not in the union, you still so you know, deserve wages and so, benefits and business. Are we talking about mental health? It affects you. Uh, it affects you in the casino, and it, <laughs> <laughs> and it affects you at the work site. But before we get into that, definitely. So, what's going on across the country, Chris? I know there's all kinds of strikes. Oh there's literally a strike going on right now with the writers. Well, the writers' strike. I mean, holy cow! They're talking about uh, replacing writers with artificial, you know, writers with artificial intelligence and everything. It's just ridiculous what's going on right now, and. Um, See, like artificial intelligence has been an issue mm -hmm. for years, whether it's like machinery at Amazon warehouses mm -hmm. or your guys' stores at yeah. UFCW. I know that's taken over. And even manufacturing of cars. Look at mm -hmm. Tesla. Their whole manufacturing mm -hmm. is becoming AI. So mm -hmm. an issue somewhere over here might not seem like it's going to affect you and your workers, but eventually it will. Yeah. Even writers, people that use their brain to create content and scripts for exactly. all kinds of shows and movies. And it's like we're, we, you know, you figure with all this technology, we'd have more time off, but we don't. We work more. We work more. Wait, what's going on? 70% of millennials live paycheck to paycheck. That's holy cow. Well, 70, a, a three fourths of millennials. That's crazy. Yeah. So what's going to happen next Friday, Chris? Oh man, we got the, the convention, but more importantly, we're going to go up there to what convention? Well, the Democratic Convention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where, you know, you know, I know a lot of people talk about, you know, the Democratic Party and Republican Party. But, you know, more importantly, we're going there to represent the labor movement because, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or you're a Democrat. Everyone deserves a union. I mean, 50 percent of our members are Republicans. Yeah. So, you know, it's awesome. we're, we're out there, you know, labor movement transcends political parties. So. Yeah. So next Friday on uh, during the convention in the evening. The unions got together, like SAG-AFTRA, mm -hmm. uh, uh, IATSE, the oh. Writers Union, uh -huh. Teamsters, Teamsters, and they're going to have like a dance, oh, whatever, yeah. party or something. Yeah. We're going to go. We're going to meet Wars, some. Star Wars, right? Star Wars? Yeah, yeah. We're talking about Star Wars? I don't know. Are you dressing like up? That. No, hell no. But I might. I'm not going to do all that shit. But, <laughs> but I'm going to wear my IATSE gear, dude, represent. But there's other shit that's going on, too. The UPS, they're going to potentially strike. Holy I think their contract yeah. is up by the end of July. You know. 350,000 workers, that would be badass. We hope they don't strike. We don't hope they don't have to strike. Well, strikes, what do they do? Yeah, strikes work. Strikes you know, work. right now, people are going strike all across the country. I was not too long ago, a couple months ago, we, Spreckle Sugar went on strike and, you know, we won that one. And it's just people are standing up and uh, people want more time off. People are living paycheck to paycheck. Why is that? Why are people living paycheck to paycheck? I mean, inflation is like 8%, yeah. I think, this year alone. And another victory, um, I know SDEA, the San Diego Education Association, the teachers oh, union. Oh, yeah. They just got their tentative deal. They had an action at the board, a school board meeting this week. They had over 1,000 people out there. But it wasn't just the teachers. It was also a CSEA, the classified. Mm -hmm. they're, they're like joining forces kind of deal because that's what you have to do. You have to... Be in solidarity, even if it's, your contract's not up. You still have to be there. You have to be there for other people. Yeah. And I think that's what this podcast is all about. It's like, you know, can you, I think the labor movement's what you talk, what, what we talk about. Can you fight for someone you don't know? Can you stand up for someone you don't know? Exactly. But I'm really excited because we got, uh, so we who got do a we special guest. We who got we a special guest, Sean Ellis from the Plumbers and Pipe Fitters. United Association 230? Is yes, that the way? Yes, I'm yes. sure you probably expand to us. Well, tell us a little about yourself, Sean. Yeah, yeah. No, my name is Sean Ellis. Uh, I'm originally from Long Beach, California. So I'm actually not from San Diego. How I got here was a military. So I'm a veteran, all that good stuff. But no, I'm, uh, I'm from Northside, Long Beach. 
Um, just grew up single mom household. Dad was around, but you know, dad was always working. They never got married, kind of stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I, I escaped Long Beach by going to the military. And so I settled in Vista, California, and never left. So it was pretty, it was pretty cool up there. Um, and we love San Diego. So I represent now. Currently, I'm a, a, a organizer with the United Association of Local Union 230. I also work for District Council, and as an organizer, we're tasked out internationally as well um, to help the organizing efforts of our organization, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, no, I represent about 2,500 members and growing. We're probably the fastest growing building trade affiliate, I would say, Hell yeah. you know, um, just because of the nature of our work and, you know, we, we're getting after it. And I said plumbers yeah. fight. Uh, plumbers and pipe fitters, but we got steam. I mean, oh yeah, I yeah, mean, you're yeah. Going. We're United Association. So we, we originally were a plumbers union, right? But back in the olden days in Boston, New York, uh, Chicago, and on the East Coast, yeah, you, you had other unions called gas fitters. You had pipe fitters, storm drain fitters. You had sprinkler fitters. Anything with pipe, they had their own union. And basically, we had a real strong um, general president that came to power was able to unite all those unions. I mean, you're talking about the 1800s, right? Mm-hmm. And we're able to unite all of them to the United Association. That's where that oh, term comes nice. from, ah. united, the pipe trades united. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, ever since then, we've been around since October 11th, 1889. You know, and we're growing fast. We love it. So, I mean, you're, you know, the UA, you're going to cover everything from your plumber that puts in your toilet, yeah, to a pipe fitter and a steam fitter that builds a power plant. Or does the heating and cooling of a large-scale building. Sprinkler fitter will be the fire suppression. Mm-hmm. Um, HVAC, so heating, ventilation, air conditioning, refrigeration. We're the ones that put up the uh, air conditioning, the run the line sets, refrigeration, stuff like that. Or those trucks that you drive, the, the white glove guys kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Where we go into your house and we'll, we'll do everything from your AC unit, rebuild it, whatever it is, service it to plumbing service, to stormwater, pipeline work, natural gas, refineries, hydrogen, nuclear energy. I mean, so when you look at the UA, we're broad. And that's why I'm passionate about it because you can choose what you want to do as long as it's piping, right? And you're a professional at it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's awesome. But real quick, Sean, because we we're just getting to know each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, learning about you. You have a badass backstory. Yeah. Like how you came (laughs) up and... How did you end up here? Like, where, you said you grew up in Long Beach. You joined yeah. the military. Yeah. What did you join? Oh, all right. I, I mean, I'm right, 100 with you. you. I mean, let, let's just open it up. I'm a 100 person. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, you know, I grew up uh, in a cool family. We struggled a little bit. Like every family where I grew up in Long Beach, Carson area, it's kind of where I shared both of my time. Mom and dad, you know, separated. Like, unfortunately, a lot of families do. And, you know, dad was very different than my mom. Or my mom was like a, a progressive hippie. Yeah. And my dad was a working man that worked, uh, you know, ran telecommunication lines, you know, stuff like that. And so, you know, we struggled like a lot of families did. And, you know, as as we were growing up, I was surrounded by gangs. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. It's Keystone Barrio. That was the Mexican gang. Yeah. Down the street, we had SOS, Sons of Sambo and Crip Gang. Dang. It's called Park Piru. You know what I mean? And I knew the boundaries. I knew where to go and where not to go. Mm-hmm. But it was like... Um, I learned a lot out there. You feel me? Like I learned how to act. I learned how to be respectful, how to be humble, how to carry myself, you know, without a dad. And, you know, when I was young, what kept me out of the gangs and all that was, you know, I saw the homie get killed. I saw, you know, I had had a, you know, cousin get, get, get smoked up and I just saw bad stuff in the neighborhood. And I wasn't trying to do that. I like to swim. I like to surf. Mm -hmm. Like I was trying to chill. And so long story short, I, I read a lot into history. I was I was kind of like a dork, man. Yeah, like I always I tell people, hopefully nobody gets offended, but, <laughs> but I was low key like uh, like big. I played football. I hit in sports. I like to compete. I like to work out. I like to swim. I like to play football. Everything baseball. But I loved history. Like I was a kid that was reading about Mussolini, reading Shy. about George Washington, reading about you know what governments are. You know what what was the Magna Carta and how did that impact the Constitution? Yeah. You know what I mean? Weird stuff. I was just into that, man. I was just like, that's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why do they assassinate Kennedy? All that kind of stuff. So low key, I always tell my wife. My wife, when she hears this, she's gonna be like, I can't believe you're admitting this to everybody. <laughs> but I'm just gonna be real about it, right? Yeah. You know, kind of. I was always into politics and and I was always into military history stuff like that. So 18, 18 came around. Seventeen actually. I couldn't wait to sign up for the Marine Corps. I was out. Oh, I wanted shit. to get out. I wanted to get away from, from Long Beach, Carson area. Um, I wanted to see the world. I wanted to go join. And, and a good friend of mine, Alex Carrillo, was killed in Fallujah. And so I was like, all right, we're going to get it. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, it wasn't, everybody says, like, I want to serve my country. Mm-hmm. No, I, mean, I was trying to escape. I was mm-hmm. trying to get up away from my family, kind of like reinvent myself. 
you know, whatever, got into the Marine Corps four and a half years in, infantryman, 2nd Battalion, 4th Marines, Echo Company, very proud of that. Um, been to 17 countries, give or take, um, and just seeing the whole world kind of for what it is. And it was, it was eye-opener, bro, because it was like I had my opinion about L.A. and who I was yeah. and how I am. Then you go in the Marine Corps, and that shit's like, boom, and it throws you out there. Yeah. And now you're like a whole different person, and, and you still have that, like, remnants of who I was, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, from the neighborhood. Like, you know, what's cracking, dog? You don't push me, but I'm not going to disrespect but now I'm a Marine. Now I'm taught to be an infantryman of all that. I mean, yeah, you're yeah. in, you know what's up with that. Yeah. So they put me up in San Miguel, you know what I mean? San Mateo, California. And mm-hmm. I started training, whatever, 70 countries, and I saw the world. And that's when I realized, like, oh, wow, that's a, a different religion, different culture, different people, et cetera, whatever. <laughs> Making friends, relationships, whatever, kind of builds who you are, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I was about ready to get out, you know, 100. And, I, and I'll leave this, hopefully I'm not talking too much, but I'll leave this into the U.A., is I did four and a half years as an infantryman, you know what I mean? And I was no different than everybody else. I got in trouble in the Marine Corps like everybody else. You know, ain't nothing special about me. I just did my time. That was it, you know what I mean? And um, as I was getting toward getting that time to get out, it was kind of, I was freaking scared, bro. Hella scared, man. I yeah. tell my wife, I laugh about it to this day because, you know, where I'm at today is, is a, lot, a lot of luck. A lot of luck, timing, and and preparation and work at it, you know what I mean? And, man, I was getting out of the Marine Corps. I had a few months left. And I was like, dude, I, I think I'm going to have to re-enlist because there ain't no jobs. The oh, economy shit. was bad. Everything was just effed up, man. It was just, it was messed up. And I'm like, damn, what do we do? And I and I ain't a cop, bro. You know what I mean? I ain't going to get out and be a cop. I don't yeah. even call them to this day. I don't want nothing to do with no cops. Oh, shit. You know what I mean? If I need them, hey, you know, hey, they shoot them right there, call the cops. Yeah. But if it ain't that, get away from me, bro. Like, yeah. like much love, respect you, bro. A lot of my friends are cops. No disrespect if they see this. Yeah. But, like, stay in your lane. I'll stay in my lane. God bless you. But yeah. so when I get now, I'm like, dude, what am I going to do? Like, Cora, what am I going to do? She's like, I don't know. We got to figure this out. We're driving back to base housing one day, and I see this little white trailer. Small-ass trailer, bro. Mm-hmm. Hella small trailer, and there's... Their cartoon character, man, I laugh because they, you know, to this day, what I do for a living now, I'm like, I would have never done no whack ass thing like that, you know <laughs> what I mean? Without trying not to cuss too much. Yeah. But I see nah, like this this picture of this thing welding, and I'm uh, like, what's that right there? I mean, I heard welders make money, you know what I mean? My dad uh, was in the union, you know, my brother in law is a union contractor. I can get into that later, mm-hmm. you know, in my perspective of business and watching my brother in law kind of grow and from the as a union contractor working out the Regal, you know what I mean? Former game bangers, so I know about all that. You know, but I saw that and I, I kind of said, hey, I'm going to pull in there real quick. So I pulled in there, you know, just out of luck. And I kind of saw it. I scoped it out. I was like, oh, you know, it says United Association, whatever the hell that is. And there was a number on there. So I snapped the number. That was it, man. I still remember this day. I snapped that number on my picture. It was a 1-800 number. Mm-hmm. Never forget that. And I was about to deploy. I was about to head on my third, my third deployment, my last deployment. And, um, you know, I told Corey, my wife, I go, hey, remember this number? Because I'm going to be deployed here in a minute. We're going to be out in Africa, which was my last deployment. And uh, I ain't going to be able to be on the phone or nothing and, and, and just hook it up, you know, call that number and, and just enroll me. Mm-hmm. So she did it. And that's how I got in. I ended her at an 18-week program, uh, direct entry, directly into the union. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, if you get accepted, which I did, um, you go through 18 weeks of training. It's actually what this symbol is right here, Veterans of Piping. Oh, and cool. you go through 18 weeks of training. Then when you get out of the military... You uh, are a second-year apprentice in the in the UA, regardless of the economy, guaranteed employment, um, free training, didn't pay zero, mm-hmm. and that kick-started my career, man. Nice. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, like going back real quick to how you grew up with gangs and all that stuff, and you were yeah, a dork. Yeah. Yeah. Like I grew up, I was a dork too. Yeah, like yeah, like I was into Pokemon cards yeah. and video games. Yeah, and yeah. I, I didn't have a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I was a super, I was super shy. Yeah, I was scared of girls. Yeah, and like I grew up in, with gangs. I grew up here in City Heights. My brother was yeah, in gangs, in and yeah. out, in and yeah. out of prison. Um, and I didn't want anything to do with that either. I was like, I need to stay away from that. I, I just don't yeah. like what it causes to my family. Mm-hmm. I see my dad stressed, my mom always crying, and I was like, damn, like I don't. So that's why I never joined the gangs or anything yeah. like that, and yeah. that's why I also joined like the Marines because I was like, oh man, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what my life is like, but I know it's not gonna be with gangs. And well, that recruiter lied to me, bro. He looked, at, he just looked at sexy, and he came down there with them dress blues. Oh, yeah, yeah he got me, bro. Yeah, he yeah. got me, man. So that's truth. Okay, yeah. full disclosure. That's why I joined. Hey, too. Yeah, yeah, just out of curiosity, did they pay you while you train? With the in the UA? Oh, no, you're actually in the military. Yeah, I didn't explain that. Oh, yeah. And I could get into to VIP if you want. I mean, it's basically I was still an active duty Marine. So I was still, you know, a Marine. 
still in the Marine Corps. I was still within my four years of ob- or four and a half years right. of obligation to the to the the gun club to our country. Um, and then the last the last few months, those last eighteen weeks or whatnot, I was trained by the union, by union instructors, union ran program, wow. union funded program. 100% funded. We don't take a GI Bill. We don't want the government's money. We don't need the government's money. That's not who we are. You know, like I told you guys earlier, and I'll explain to whoever's watching this, you know, our union is one-third vets, and we're proud of it. Yeah. And we're a- absolutely proud of it. And I know if GP was standing here today, my business manager, district council president, whatever title, it, whatever, mm-hmm. they'll stand right here next to me and say, we love our vets, and we're going to fight to the very last of the UA's breath. For our vets, because that's who we are, right? But let's not get on that. But, yeah, no, we run the program. It's free to the Marine. And now we have nine programs and seven bases across the country. Oh, shit. Okay. And we'll lead this into mental health because we've spearheaded mental health within our own organization uh, internationally, right? So we'll get that to that later. But no, it was free. I didn't spend anything. They gave me a welding hood. They gave me everything I needed. I just had to show up and say, look, I'm a good Marine. I'm in good standing, whatever. I'm not in trouble. I have good pros and cons. And I just had to show up and work for 18 weeks. And then you get a union certification that's recognized in the whole damn United States. Sick. Then you get guaranteed employment starting out at $23 an hour. And I always tell people, what does that mean? That means you make $58,000 a year your first year out of the Marine Corps when most Marines make $28,000, wow. $30,000. And so when I look at it, that's where my passion comes from. I always tell people, like, I'm not, you know, I love the UA, but I'm loyal to VIP. And I'm loyal now to the UA because you created VIP. Mm-hmm. Because what would I have done if I got out? Man, I don't freaking know. You know, I told my Olay, my Olay said, what are you going to talk about today? Be real about it. Like, I don't have no script. I, I, mm-hmm. You know, I watch one podcast, you know, but I told myself I'm not going to watch this podcast because I want to be real with the people. Mm-hmm. You know, where does my passion comes from is because I would have been a, what, a Walmart door greeter? Yeah. You know what I mean? Would I have been homeless like all my brothers committed suicide? You know, what would have happened to me? And so the UA said, hey, we're going to do this. And long story, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I'm not telling you. We actually were part of a congressional uh, mandate. We changed Congress legislation at D.C. to create this program before anybody else even thought about veterans. Yeah. We were the first ones, you know, because it's been what? I've been in the trade 14 years. Shit. So we've been doing this for 13, 14 years, my man. So, you know, when I look at other organizations all of a sudden talking the game, (laughs) whatever, we've been doing this and we're quiet about it. We don't need to say, I mean, this is probably the most you're going to see of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just because, you know, the invite, much love, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I was asking the question because it's really interesting because, you know, people go to college. They get in debt. They get in debt. Oh, yeah. You know, and you're saying everything's paid for. Yeah. There's just, there's another world out there. That's why we have this podcast because, I mean, trades or or whatever, there are, are, are specialties that you can get out there and you get paid while you train. Well, in we're some the first cases. four-year degree. Call it what it is. You yeah. know, before there was colleges, before yeah. that system even existed to prey on profit, to educate yeah. Americans, yeah. call it what it is, a for-profit mm-hmm. educational system it that is. preys on people. Mm-hmm. Well, union apprenticeships. I mean, the nurses used to have an apprenticeship for crying out loud. Oh, really? We all, oh yeah, look it up. You know what I mean? But the building trades, all of our apprenticeships, they've been around, they've been free, they've been self-funded by the organization that our union dues that all of our members pay. That's just what's understood and it keeps us alive. And we've provided highly skilled four, five-year degrees. We're a five-year apprenticeship program, by the way. Shit. You're going to learn trigonometry, geometry, nuclear energy, hydrogen, et cetera, whatever. But we're going to do that with the minimum costs to the member because that's what we are. We're labor, man. Yeah. We represent members. And I go, I drive around San Diego. I love San Diego, but I get kind of pissed off, but not really. I got to be staying the neutral because we build these, these colleges. That's what's happening right yeah. now. But I look at all these colleges and I see all my friends from back home, right? Marines and or people from, from LA. And they got all these degrees and they did all this and they do all that. And they're still living with their parents Yeah, and they're still wage, you know, inequality. They're still not parity. They have all this education, but no actual hard skills to implement. Yeah. When I'm the opposite, I got nothing but hard skills and I'm making way more without the actual formal education. Mm-hmm. So I tell people how formal is it? You know what I mean? I yeah. mean, what, you know, call it what it is. Or are you just being preyed by capitalism? What, what is it? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, definitely schools are for profit. That's beyond like, Right now, you see AFSCME 3299 is going at it with the UC system yep. across the state, 10 campuses. Yeah. And they're they're going all out. They're putting fucking numbers out there on social media of how mm-hmm. much their presidents got their raises. These, some of these presidents make over a million dollars to run these schools. Right. And I'm like, the fuck? School is supposed to be to educate the public. It's public funds. And they're making over a million dollars. 
And then they don't want to give a decent contract to their workers that run these schools. So I, by all means, I think schools are just for profit. That's what they are. They're just money-making machines. Yep. Not, that's not the only option out there. Mm-hmm. I know that's what gets pushed the most because it's like the whole white-collar, get yourself a, a degree and get yourself a white-collar job. And that's what's looked high in our yeah, society. Yeah, yeah. But, and I feel and I've seen that I think um, that maybe construction has been looked down upon maybe for a long time. And it shouldn't because it's good-paying jobs. If anything, it's like it brings the most um, humbleness to anything like, and the most respect, too, because you build all these infrastructures. You make good money. Mm-hmm. You can support your whole family, and you get to retire there's, with yeah. dignity. So there's like, yep. if anything, you should be a construction worker over a doctor. and all, That's my opinion. We are but, literally, and, and I'm going to take you, man, I love because I'm literally about to go about 100,000 feet in elevation on geopolitical let's, stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You look at the war in Ukraine, what are they hitting up? Infrastructure. Infrastructure. They're blowing up power plants, breaking down railroad systems. I mean, I could get deep. So this is my dork part going to come out. You ready for the dorky part? Let's do it. Like How did dorky. Lenin take over his country? He conquered the infrastructure. He controlled the railways, the infrastructure, prevented... Mm-hmm. The czar's people from moving around. That's how every military system uses, utilizes taking over a nation as infrastructure. So when you watch Ukrainian war, it's just a repeat, right? I don't ever say, let me take that back. I don't say history repeats itself. It has the same storylines. And I'll explain that is that this battle now, they're attacking infrastructure. So when I talk about electrification, when I talk about the green energy systems and going from fossil fuels to other systems, it's essential that we like understand our history here mm-hmm. and understand geopolitical issues because without a good infrastructure, you don't got a good military. Yeah. Without a good military, you're going to get your ass whooped. And I'm going to tell you something. When I tell progressives, environmentalists, and everybody that, that has different viewpoints, look, across the ocean, some of these countries don't care about your views. Yeah. They don't care about how progressive you are. They don't, they, they don't give a hoot about what you're pushing. They're about power, period. And unfortunately, there is issues with the military industrial complex. We could talk about that. There is issues in the military. There is issues politically at the highest levels. There is bad stuff we've done, whatever. But unfortunately, infrastructure in the military keeps this country stable. It's why MacArthur built the uh, the highway system. It's how we cross the West. And right now, we got a lot of people that want to destroy that. And it's something I'm passionate about where I'm like, look, you know, all this micro stuff is good, but you still need that infrastructure. You still need to understand that the number one asset that the United States has is its freaking worker. Mm-hmm. Without a worker, you don't create businesses, don't create capital. Then you can't tax a capital. And without taxing that, you lose all your social programs, exactly. you lose the military, you lose everything that makes us a society. And so workers are essential to our economy. They're essential to our national defense. And I might be the only 35-year-old that's so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. But when I go out and organize... And I see workers out there with no dignity, no pride, and don't really understand that, hey, bro, you're putting in a storm line, storm drain line that takes nasty, disgusting water back out to a treatment plant to then be converted into something else. You're protecting the health of your community, bro. And just because you ain't out there with a college degree, you don't wear a suit and you ain't one of these politicians hooting and hollering about themselves and what they've done, you're the one that's doing the work. Mm -hmm. And I'm not afraid to say that to a politician. I'm not afraid to say it to anybody because... My guys, my brothers and sisters, and my journey workers are out there building America, and they don't got time to play the politics game. You know, they're out there working, and I'm sick and tired of people saying one thing, doing another, you know, all that shit. You know what I mean? So that's how I look at it. That's where we're going as a union. And, you know, I believe in every every industry should have the opportunity to organize so they have dignity. I mean, you were at that damn Chula Vista. I mean, you you saw how we all had to fire off on this, you know what I mean? Put McCann in this, make sure he heard us. Yeah. You know, no disrespect to McCann. Kitchen table economics. Yeah. Yeah. Kitchen table economics. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, people need to make a living. And when you're able to pay your rent, you're able to, you know, you contribute to the economy as a worker. I mean, that's, that's, that, that's how what makes everything go around, period. Yeah, I mean, why do you think strikes work? Oh, man. When workers decide to not work, and all of a sudden the bosses are like, okay, we're in producing, then they come to the table because that's their point is to produce and make profit. Mm -hmm. So the workers make the profit. That's it. It's just like the workers are the B side of it. Mm -hmm. So, But yeah, me and Chris are always big on kitchen table economics. We always say that they're on this podcast. Uh, I know you kind of alluded. Bread and butter, baby. Bread and butter, because yep. if you can't pay your rent, I don't give a fuck about anything else. Bro, yeah. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. If, you, if you're going to get kicked out to the street yep. the next week, <laughs> I guarantee you you don't care about a street name. Yeah. Yeah. Like, your feelings, look, man, your feelings are your feelings, and I'm not trying to be rude to anybody yeah. that 
that, you know, gets very passionate about what they do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I've been on the side where everybody attacks me. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. And where I'm sitting there saying, hey, the loss of natural gas hurts my plumbers. Let me put that in. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, ah, well, you need to relearn a whole different trade. Yeah. What? That means that means we die, man. That means our union ceased to exist. Yeah. And, you know, that, that means that's the end of us. And I've been on the other side and they didn't care about our feelings. Yeah. So that's why I'm going to say it exactly how I'm going to say it today. I go, look, you can't you can't pay your rent. I don't care how liberal, conservative, or moderate you are, socialist, democratic socialist, Republican, conservative, monarchist, I don't care. Mm-hmm. If you can't sur- survive and pay your rent, it's called Maslow's pyramid hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. right? If you can't sustain the very basic foundation of human life, yeah. it doesn't really matter. You're going to do whatever you can to survive. It's why all these, these great people trying to come up to our country and, and, and change their life, that's why they're doing it, yeah. is because there's... Their country has been corrupted. They don't got unions. They don't have a balancing force, right? They don't have the ability to to be able to sustain an actual life, you know, because of what's happening, the corruption. And so, and then it affects us, right? And so we have to look at it. What I'm trying to tell everybody is, look, look at it from a bigger perspective. Because here locally, call it what it is, right? Mm -hmm. People are going to their little sides now. Mm -hmm. And everybody's fighting. And does it slow down the common good? I believe it does because what some people think are the good is destroying others and man that's manipulation that ain't leadership bro call it what it is you yeah. know what i mean so so that's our thing like solidarity that's, yeah i know yeah. That's, our thing. Like, that's, our, that's our whole like platform yeah. or theme of this podcast yeah. and i think that that word is labor that's what like that's well, a, a synonym there, to labor there is no labor movement without solidarity right. solidarity is like the cornerstone yeah so when i mean when these leaders try to divide us on the some of these issues here and there i think it's it's on purpose kind of deal so oh, that you yeah. don't really get to the bread and butter you just get caught up on these hey check it out like a magician he distracts you over here yeah. but in reality he doesn't want you to pay attention over here where the trick is being made yeah. so yeah. that's why we always stick to bread bread and butter and kitchen table economics because if we go back to that it'll solve other issues with it well, yeah. people are complaining about the unhoused the homeless problem or whatever you want to call it well, 70% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 100%. Exactly. Okay, the labor movement is going to lift up everyone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said on a previous podcast, you know, if you're not advocating for the labor movement, then you really don't want to solve the homeless problem. But you don't want, you're not an American. I you're, mean, call, call it what it is. I mean, yeah. if you look at, you know, just be, as labor, I mean, we have labor movement is, is so diverse. It is America. It is yeah. what it is. I mean, we have everything in our union. I'll call it what it is. I got Trumplicans. I got mm-hmm. progressives. Mm-hmm. I got LGBTQI+. I got veterans, Catholic fathers, soccer dads, baseball coaches. You know, we got it all. We got the whole the whole litany. And what I tell people, I go, a lot of times labor, and I'm going to speak for us, you know what I mean? Because I'm not here to disrespect nobody unless they're right here to want to debate. They want to mm-hmm. debate, we'll, we'll do it, you know yeah. what I mean? But since they ain't here to defend themselves, I ain't going to call nobody out. But I'm going to say for our organization is for a long time, we always thought it had to be this way. Like, these are the guys that are allies. Mm-hmm. It has to be this way. But what happens was we were so fucking successful at this way, they became the majority of everything. And now they, didn't, they don't need us no more. Now they got this power and other mm-hmm. groups within that movement who are very different than us, but we still have common goals. Call it what it is, because that's what solidarity is. Mm-hmm. We still share about 90% of shared values. But now we're starting to see that when it comes to our particular niche and what we are as an organization, as a family, you know, we're starting to see people drift away. I mean, let's talk about coal miners, right? Everybody just, you know, they just beat on coal miners, destroying the earth, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Man, they built the labor movement for crying out loud. Yeah. Trumka was a coal miner. Yeah. And I'm sitting here like, you guys are just disrespecting these folks. And I don't care. I get it. Coal's bad. And I could debate till the cows come home about clean energy with coal. You can do it. And how thorium comes from coal and we can make nuclear material from coal using enhanced recycle, uh, enhanced recycle technology and how we can close loop it and make it green and create more power than you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I'll laugh at a solar panel, call it what it is, right? But we, people in our movement here locally make jokes about coal at the labor council meeting. And I sit there like, man, that's effed up. Mm-hmm. I respect Trunka, man. Yeah, I've been out there, dude, as a UA organizer on a blitz, blitzing to try to grow our market share. I mean, those good people over there. Them is real good people, real good union people. And you're letting outside politics or potential organizations that you're part of 
influence your labor mindset yeah. because it really should be about the worker and advocating for solutions to problems yeah. to maintain workers' careers. I yeah. think that's why everyone you know? is so scared right now in, in both in both parties. Yeah. You know, because they're they're used to a certain thing. Now lit the, the approval of labor unions is so high at seventy one percent. Everyone's just rising up and we're just like, hey, you know, we're going on strike. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just a different it's a different time now. And mm -hmm. uh yeah. you know what but you're talking about magicians. Oh, look over here. Abortion. Oh, look over here. Death penalty. Oh, look over here. It's like everyone's saying that what they want is they want you to forget that you can't pay your rent. Right? They want you to forget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. they want you to forget how much things cost because and then, you know, I mean, what happened? Did they raise the Social Security age? Right. Two yeah. years. I mean, two years, two years. It's like 67 to 70, I think. They tried to yeah. do that in France. What happened? They're burning the country, burning down, the country right down. down. I mean, and, che <laughs> and check this out, right? I mean, we we just talked about. You said earlier, half your union is Republican, fifty percent, right? Yeah. And I would say maybe over a little bit over half of my union is Republican. <laughs> I'll call it what Give it is. And because you know we build pipelines, and guess yeah. who's always talking about pipelines? Republicans, right? Yeah. And so, really, at the end of the day, you know what what I'm telling people is, you're getting like I'll have a member come up to me and go, Sean. What do they look at abortion? Hey, hey, whoa, buddy. Yeah. Calm exactly. yourself down. I go, brother, stop. Does that affect your paycheck? And he goes, well, no, but we shouldn't be behind. I hear what you're saying, and we will adjust who we're behind if social issues are now becoming an issue for our members, right? So I always tell, teach the members, you need to vote based on your paycheck, man. And then all mm -hmm. that personal stuff, how you feel about pro-life or pro-choice, whatever it is, mm -hmm. that's not our business. As yeah. a union, that's not my business. I'm not here to tell you how you live your life or how to treat people. That's you, man. Yeah. My job is to protect your conditions on a job site and organize the unorganized within the piping industry, period. And then we will go out to the community. We will attract communities of interest, of vulnerability. I mean, they call it a vulnerability. Homie, I lived in the ghetto. I was never vulnerable. Trust and believe me. Yeah, that's these what I'm council, These damn council members that be on this damn diet talking about vulnerable communities. Yeah. You come to my community, you're vulnerable, not me. Yeah. I was never vulnerable. We just didn't have industry. Call it what it is. We didn't have industry and opportunity in that industry. And so that's what I do as an organizer. I'm a Pacific Islander. I'm going to go out to those communities and organize. But in order to organize and to grow those communities, I need projects. Mm -hmm. And don't sit there and tell me other groups ain't trying to stop progress mm -hmm. and building, right? And that's where I always get passionate about is like a lot of people are saying a lot of cool stuff. But then around the corner, you're doing something else with different organizations. The, the yeah. dirt of politics becomes the issue with me. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, we're going to try to push for projects and, and organizing people unorganized, you know, and go from there, you know? I think so, it's the yeah. worst thing when people kind of go after either party, they go after the democratic party, they go after the Republican party, Yeah, you know, you know, people, some people are proud to be a Republican. Some people are proud to be a Democrat. Some people are proud to be an independent, you know? Um, I always say, you know, I use this, uh, you know, I'm Christian, my dad's Hindu, but there's an old proverb, you know, in India, after you cut off someone's nose, there's no point in giving them a rose to smell. After you demean what someone holds as valuable. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so it's like, yeah. you know, you could tell someone the truth about something, but if you demean what they hold as valuable, yeah. they're never going to believe you. You're so you, that, that's, yeah. that's why, you know, kitchen table economics, you know, keep it, keep it on that yeah. and you're going to win. And as an organizer too, um, I think that's why we kind of have a good pulse on what's going on out there with the workforce because we're talking to workers every single day yep. we know what they're going through if you're every a real organizer day. hitting the field yeah now all of us hit the field and got some strong opinions Take about some shit and stuff like that and <laughs> and i and i'm gonna be 100 with you i'm not i don't say names but mm -hmm. i call it what it is because yeah. i don't answer nobody but my manager who's elected by the members so which means i answer to the members i answer the uap or point blank mm -hmm. and there's organizers that come from the crafts and come from the trades and come from the industry and grew up in the industry and they have a totally different perspective than those that are hopping around from space to space, and you know what I mean. And yeah. you know, like I said, I don't say names, but it is what it is. Yeah. You know, when you get people wanting to have right, look, I'm I'm a Catholic. My kids go to Catholic school. You know, I don't want to say we're devout, but we're Catholics. You know, we raise our kids a certain way, and we're proud of that. You know what I mean? And we're gonna teach them our progressive values about acceptance and understanding that all cultures are the same, right? Mm -hmm. Et cetera, et cetera. But 
you know, what I'm noticing now is the attack on everything that was traditional and, and all this and all that. And, and I learned something from, from scripture, right? I try to read at least one scripture a day mm -hmm. so that, you know, it may help me understand that perspective of my members because I understand labor. I understand the wobblies. I understand the in international workers, uh, you know, unite all that stuff, solidarity back in, was it Czechoslovakia or whatever? I understand, you know, was it proletarians and all that stuff, right? Yeah. And, and I get that part of my job. But I want to understand, like, you know, how, how do we actually take away all that and grow good human beings that can lead with strength plus empathy? Yeah. How mm -hmm. can we impact mental health? How can I stop that apprentice of mine at third year commit suicide? You know what I mean? How do I stop that? How do you control that, right? And political banter ain't how you do it. Trying to manipulate someone to get what you want done ain't how you do it. You know, it's sitting down, listening. Why do you hate Democrats, brother? And listening to it genuinely be like, cool, got you. Mm -hmm. You know, how this is where you're at. So how much of that was real, brother? How much of this and this? And it's, why are you so angry about something you can't control? Are you mad about something else in your personal life? And then we start the mental health talk. Yeah. Because I think that's what we're struggling from, bro. When you look at the full picture is like social media, Twitter's nasty. Trust me, I know. It's a war. I know. It's we just shit on brother. each other 24-7 because that, that's what it is, is we project what's going on at home. 70% of millennials live paycheck to paycheck. So I'm sure they're stressed out as fuck every single day. They know exactly when their paycheck is coming in. Huh, right. And it's already written off. Right? Right. That's a cell phone bill. That's a rent bill. And, they're, and they already have it all divided up on bills. So they're stressed. So all of a sudden you cut them off. When they get all angry or something, road rage, they're just projecting what's going on in their life, at their work life, with their relationships. And I think it stems back to the workplace because if you're not making enough money that impacts your whole life mm -hmm. your whole day and then you project everything onto others and that's where the twitter comes in and Look, social media we grew up broke right yeah we're broke. we both grew up broke i man you know i remember when mom and dad had their issues we went yeah. from middle class to hella poor right straight up you know mm -hmm. and when i got married to my wife, you know, we had our own thing and we, we both ran away from home at 18. I remember, you know, she's going to be so mad when she sees us. I'm about to tell you guys a story about our family. And we this bought our awesome. first groceries yeah. as I was a PFC ship. Yeah, private first class in the yeah. Marine Corps. PFC. We're living on base housing because I couldn't afford shit, mm -hmm. right? I'll say it right now. We was broke. We had $700 left in our bank account and we had to buy groceries and we spent like 300 bucks. And I may be off on the numbers. But then we went from, you know, 300, we had to spend 300 bucks, and that's all we had left was this little chunk, and we cried. It was like, dude, we're serving our country, we ain't getting paid nothing. And it was one of those things where, like, I remember that when I lead, man, when I go out there and, you know, because now it's not like that for me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I make real good money as an industrial steam fitter, real good money. And as an organizer, I make good money. And so I, I have that lifestyle now, right? But that's just, that's fate. That's fake. That ain't reality. Mm -hmm. That was through hard work, timing, luck, preparation. That's what luck is. Mm -hmm. Hard work and preparation meet. You got you lucky and you just had an opportunity. So that's not my reality. My reality is homeboy in Long Beach. You know what I mean? Back when, you know, I, my dad was always working. My mom was always working. So I was always in the street. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't gangbang because I wasn't trying to get caught up by Deputy Rezac. I still remember that crazy <laughs> dude. Right. So I wasn't trying to get caught up, but yeah. I, I had to kind of like raise myself. And I go out here and I look at what's happening in San Diego because this is my home now, right? You know, and even though I live in the north, San Diego is still where my members are, you know, still where a lot of my folks are. And on I look, I, I got my members working 24-7 and we make good money just to make ends meet on their mortgage. Then I go and talk to other people in the labor movement. A lot of labor movement, labor people are renters. And then, you know, because I wanted to know why labor was getting behind the tenants' rights ordinance, right? I wanted to know because mm -hmm. I'm not educated on that part. And so I met with folks that have that. Honestly, their labor movement, they don't get as much. They don't get paid as much as our labor movement. And that's a real thing, right? Building trades, we're high paid. Yeah. While a lot of the labor movement is still grinding and struggling mm -hmm. to have a good middle class job. And so in a lot of ways, you got to go back and understand, like, okay, why are we pushing tenant rights ordinance? And it made yeah. sense. You know, and so when I look at society and mental health, you know, I never saw my mom. My mom was working, man. Worked graveyard shift. So, like, you know, my buddies are watching this. And I didn't have a mom to hug me. So I'm sitting there out there growing up fast. Mm -hmm. That's bad for your mental health, bro. I look at my kids now, my nine-year-old and, you know, my, my nine, seven, and five, and I see how they act. I'm like, man, when I was your age at nine, girl, 
man, I was out here hustling. Like, mm-hmm. I had to, like, go and do Scott's Turf Builder on, on houses and do five bucks. I mean, that's bad for your mental health. You know what I mean? Because you never got to be a kid. You never got to actually go through a learning process. Your parents weren't there to raise you because you were too busy. They were too busy working. So you never actually got to sit down with your father and have him be able to tell you how life should be or your mom to tell you how to be a good woman or whatever, right? Whatever. Yeah. You know, and then what happens when they, those parents work too hard? And they're always constantly working, and then the divorce happens. Mm-hmm. The family breaks down, and then that just creates mayhem in our community. Call it what it is. I am so sick of people who didn't grow up in my community try to tell me what the hell we need. Mm-hmm. No, what we need are families, man. We need good union jobs. And I know jobs we make 25, 26 bucks an hour. I'm talking about high-paid jobs to keep fathers at home or at least have that family model to where you can have time with your kids. But the true reality is, is this. We regulate the economy. There's everything so expensive. You got capitalists trying to make money. You know, every time regulation goes up, capitalists raise up their prices on everything, which caused the cause of living to go out of freaking through the roof, right? And now we got people working 24-7. Divorces are happening. No marriages are happening. Kids are still being created, and they're running around. Yeah. And they're not. They don't get that structure because I didn't. And so now these kids are becoming adults. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing it. They'd rather go and sell themselves on the Internet. Yeah. They'd rather not do the jobs that our fathers did or our mothers did. You know, it's, it's a whole different world now, man. Yeah. And so I'm looking at it. And then what I tell my boss, I go, it's mental health, man. Yeah. These are kids that weren't raised. They didn't have that there. You know what I mean? I'm only sitting there as a father from what I see as raising kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, there's so much right there. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, but, no, I get like, deep, bro, like, real like, fast, dude. Like, we grew up poor. When you grow up poor, you grow up fast. Yeah. And then it's so easy to fall into yeah. the same loop of crime and you got to do what you got to do to survive. Um, but I feel like when I joined the Marines, it did. We talked about this earlier before we started shooting that kind of confidence, that structure. Yeah. I think that we all need. We all need structure. We all need some kind yeah. of love. Yeah. That's why people join gangs because they look for that 100. love where yeah. they can't find it at home. We think the Marine Corps is. That's, that's what the Marine Corps is yep. and that's what gangs are. But. That, though, gives you infrastructure. And you talked about infrastructure, like, with buildings and physical buildings. But this is, like, infrastructure in your head. In your, mind, and, in your mindset. And in your mindset. Yeah. And you need that structure. So I think when I came to labor, that's when I really got that infrastructure, like, totaled out. Well, think about There's corporal's creed. Think about your corporal's creed. Yeah. To be a Marine, to be emulated. Yeah. Second to none, right? Second Those to are none. mental structures. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but then still people fall off of that. You can learn all that. We did, and we're good. We're like union organizers. We're doing well. We own our homes. We have a good family that supports us. But still, people fall out. They still commit suicide. You know, that still have the same pathways as us. So well, what's that's going our culture. on? And, that, and oh, let's jump into that. That's yeah. the culture. I mean, I was with 2nd Battalion, 4th Marines, Echo Company. We're a very proud unit. Historically decorated 5th Marines. That's all I'm going to say about that. You know what I mean? If any of my Marine Corps buddies ever watch this, I mean... They know what's up. Yeah. All right. We're a good unit. We're decorated, all that. But we had a culture, man. We didn't, we weren't soft. That just wasn't us. You know, when Sergeant Mooney, we love him. Guy's a badass sergeant. Hey, man, tuck it up, suck it in, square it up. Ain't got time for that. We got to push. That was it, man. Whether it was training, whether it was deployment, going downrange, whatever it was, right? Marines are taught. Soldiers, sailors, airmen, whatever. I mean, we can make jokes about other branches. Yeah. I would love to do that, Chair but whatever. Force. Yeah, right? My brother's right? in the Air Force. <laughs> you know, um, but in the Marine Corps, and I'll speak for that, is like we were raised kind of as young men to like suck it up, man. Mm-hmm. Like the Marines that came before you went through were shit, so push. And that's just how it was. And and as men, you're like, yeah, I'm going to be weak, fool. I ain't going to be the first one that taps on this. Mm-hmm. And so you do that for four years, and all of a sudden you go out to the world and I'm going to call, I'm going to tell you exactly what happened to me. I went out to the world. I fucking hated everybody. I don't care who sees, I fucking hated everybody. You didn't do nowhere near what I did in the Marine Corps. You didn't struggle like that. You didn't see the suicides in the barracks. You didn't see what I saw. You just didn't. And I don't need to talk about all that, but you didn't see it. And then I go out there and you're acting like a tough guy. Oh, I'm good, man. Or you're getting political, bro. That was one of the things that t- tore me up is why I became a political guy within my union is was people get all into the politics, start talking shit about the military, start talking trash about leaders. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what, what, why you open your mouth, man? You ain't never served. You ain't never went down that You ain't never went down range. You ain't never left this country or even volunteered your life, limb, and flesh for this nation. So 
me being uneducated at the time, I'm going to call it what it is, me, me being uneducated at mm -hmm. the time, a young man, fresh out of the Marine Corps, 24, 23, you know, I, I kind of like secluded myself. I go, man, I don't want to talk to these fitters, man. They're weird. Goofy ass cats, bro. <laughs> Drinking all the time with their bare bellies, yeah. you know, complaining about the mayor. Fuck, fucking cares about the mayor yeah. and whatever. And so, as a young Marine, I just said, as a young Marine vet, I just kind of like secluded myself. And that was the worst thing I ever did. Worst fucking thing I ever did because I still had to work with these folks, I still had to compete. The trade's about competing, man. Make no mistake about it. We're union, but we compete in the trade. The union don't protect your job in the trade. If you ain't meeting the standard and you ain't making money for the contractor, you're smoked. You're gone. We'll get another one. That's mm -hmm. just how the building trades are. We're just there to make sure that these hustlers and hard workers got good conditions, right? Mm -hmm. But that being said, I still had to compete at high levels. And then I came in as a second year. So I voided out a whole year. So all the good old boys were like, hell nah. Yeah. That boy needs to start from the bottom. I didn't care about my military service back then. They were like, hell nah. So they put you through the ringer. But I kept quiet about it, internalized it for years through my apprenticeship. And one night, three in the two o'clock in the morning, one thirty in the morning, it all came to a head. You know what I mean? And you know, I'm not here to talk too much about what happened that night. But somehow, some way, God bless, the Lord came into my life, and He said, "No, you're going to change this. Whatever it is, understand that this is temporary. There's always light, whatever it may be." In my own little spiritual way, I got over that, and I've had several nights like that. And I got over that. And then before I knew it, I was a journey worker and I had an opportunity to teach. Right. And so I started telling people, it's like, that's the veteran story, man, is that our culture has taught us to, to protect ourselves. That when your buddy gets smoked in combat, you need to pick up and go because the enemy's still going to fight you. And you got to pick up and go. And so you build that culture of like, I'm going to lock it up. Mm -hmm. You don't need to hear about what I need to do. And a lot of us are out here existing in the world, man. People don't realize. And I told I told somebody this at the UA International. We were just, you know, one of those things. You know how seminars are, conventions, you yeah, know, at the, after hours. <laughs> and you go out and have a beer or two or wine. And, Where real work gets done. Yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah. And, and I sit there and, and the guy goes, you know, get tell me what motivates you. Like, we're, we're building this thing called a leadership council at the UA. I'm not building it. I'm just a voice mm -hmm. that gets an opinion about it, right? And, you know, Mr. Ray Boyd, uh, our first African-American training coordinator for the nation, badass, mm -hmm. good man, great leader, good Christian man. He comes up to me, goes, Sean, you know, tell me what leaders are. And I go, well, I'm going to tell you real simply put, there's a lot of people in the game, and in the game, I mean the labor movement. I go, there's a lot of people in the game that are manipulators. They mm -hmm. manipulate people to get something, to make them do something, to get what they need done. You know what I mean? And, there's not enough leaders. And I go, a leader is somebody that I'm going to convince you to do something that's for the greater good of you and the organization and your group of folks because that's what's good for you. And I go, that's that's what we need in leadership council is that the labor movement, and I'm going to call it what it is, for years from all sides of labor and other organizations outside of labor, a lot of manipulators, man. Yeah. And I go, boss man, I go, because we have our issues internationally with Republicans and Democrats and a lot of our members are pipeliners, very, very Trump supporters, and we got our progressives in New York and all that stuff. And I go, in my opinion, here today, having a glass of wine with you at dinner, sir, my honest opinion is if you really want to bring the workers together, like truly, truly bring them together, you, you speak about leadership through strength and empathy, and you start with mental health. Because I go, we all talk about veterans' mental health, but the average worker, you ever had a dad yell at you? Ever had a dad throw something at you constantly? That's mental health. That's badgering. Yeah. You know, and, and that can that's messing up our guys. I mean, let's talk about drugs, Mr. Boyd. And we got on and on. And so we started he started this thing called the, the Leadership Council. We're now apprentices from all over the country come centrally located to Michigan. And I'm one of many speakers who speak about leadership and understanding. Like, I, I just share my story. Amen. Like, I almost killed myself several times and I got through it, got help for it. And I wear as a badge of honor. I ain't afraid. I'm mm -hmm. not afraid. What do I got to be afraid of? I was a good steam fitter. I could leave this job tomorrow, work for Ail Reed, make tons of money. But maybe if I share my story and say, hey, man, I almost, I almost took my life a few times, man. And once I figured out what was going on and I opened up because pain shared is pain divided. Once I opened up, man, man, I'd be like, woo, I was <laughs> strong, dude. And I go, you know what? Let's lead now. Let's lead. Let's go become an organizer. Let's take it to the highest levels of the UA. Let's, let's be the best you can in the union to show all those vets or just normal folks that are struggling from child abuse, rape, right? Struggling from drugs because maybe their dad wasn't home all the time or maybe they didn't have a father or a family structure, mm -hmm. so they depended on drugs to get through. 
Maybe I can say, hey, bro, I went through, man, hey, I went to continuation school, dog. I almost didn't graduate. Mm-hmm. I was a 10th grader and then became a senior last minute and graduated high school. Man, I've been through the ringer. I've been a wannabe tough guy. I did all that shit. So maybe if I can do something in the union and show them, like, look, I never wanted to get to politics, but I meet, I met the president of the United States, big dog. You know what I mean? And so I tell people, if I can get through my, my shit and I can get to that point and I even have ego about it, just be like, look, I'm setting the pathway for you, homie. Let's go. Go to work. Get after it. That's that's my passion, as you can see. I mean, I, I won't shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? This well, you is know, what I believe. It is, mental, I mean? so, it is Mental Health Awareness Month. Yeah. yeah oh, you, yeah, it is. You, it is. You know, it, for me, it's, it's 24-7. It, you know, right? yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, they gave I, us a month. I appreciate you. You know, it's, you know, kind of my testimony. I remember because uh, I battled, gosh, alcoholism for I don't know how long. Yeah, yeah. Drank at a very, very young age and, you know, and um, just... but. But, you know, got to work on time. So yeah, fine, yeah. get hung over, still come to work. Like hey, yeah. by the way, when I say yeah. I'm hung over, it's on Monsters, yeah. which are probably worse. <laughs> but anyway. Sponsored um, by Monsters. Sponsored you, by Monsters. Shout out Monsters. It messes with you. It messes with yeah. you. And, and there's a culture of, you know, having, you know, playing quarters, you know, or, or whatever, yeah. d- drinking, the yeah. drinking games. and But, uh, you know, there was a time where, you know, you know, have you ever been hung over? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. No okay. shit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I was hung over. You know, it goes away in a day or two, but then a week passes. Yeah. I'm still hungover. I'm like, and then another week passes. I'm still hungover. Yeah. And then I knew I had a problem. So, you know, I had to seek help, had to, you know, give you medications, but, uh, suit, uh, for your, was it norepinephrine yeah. and, yeah. you know, whatever these, yeah. these things to, to, to balance you out. But that's, you know, it's it's really really good that people are talking more about mental health, and yeah. I appreciate you you know you coming on the show. Well, we, we lost I lost an apprentice, Jacob Fuku, at a local two thirty VIP, took his life. Um, and it just it's one of those things, you know. It, it you know I talked about it for like I've always lost I've had friends and I lost friends, but where it really fucking hurt me, man. And man, I hope my boss doesn't get mad that I'm cussing, but he told me not try not to cuss too fucking much. Oh, my bad. <laughs> that's okay. But he uh but you know what really got to me was, you know, when I became a VIP instructor, I'm a master instructor with the UA, so I actually go every <laughs> wow, but I go every 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 year once a year I go back and I teach mental health. Yeah. I teach actual like not we have Dr. Sadley who teaches like the science, how the amygdala work, the hippocampus, the sensors, the medicine, the actual science tested proven strategies to assist, right? She teaches that part. I tell the story. I do the actual trademen, tradesperson, um, you know, organizer dealing with it on site and someone who's lived with it, right? So I go back there every year and, and I teach that. And, we're re- and, and I taught it for years and, I, and I've advocated for mental health from what I saw in the Marine Corps. But what happened when I left the Marine Corps, it was almost like I, I was insulated from suicide because the guys, we all went home, right? And you remember how it is, right? You guys are all buddies. And as we start to get out of the Marine Corps, we all go to the airport, one leaves. <laughs> well, I'll go back to the airport. Another one leaves, and yeah. eventually, you're like you're like the last one. And of course, I'm the last one because I live in LA. So I'm like, yeah, I ain't going nowhere. I'm driving home. Yeah. And so when I left the gun club, I was insulated. I didn't see a lot of suicide anymore. I saw drug addicts and stuff like that, but I was too young of an apprentice, a journeyman, or whatever to actually connect the dots. Then when I started advocating for mental health, it was mostly for veterans, etc. And what I started, what I started kind of noticing was. Um, you know, as, as I got older, I couldn't, I, I was like, man, whatever, I'm insulated. This is important. Advocate. And then I had a student that I taught, Jacob Fuqua. Went in the trade, family, child, young baby, young, young baby, was doing good. Work reports were coming back to me, us, the union, saying that he was good. Uh, at this point now, I was already a lead instructor at VIP, supervisor at Camp Pendleton, um, basically just processing Marines into the union. Loved my job, thought I was on top of the world. You know, my ego was kind of set up, like, to where, man, I, I really did something, man. Like, I'm fucking proud. Then I get a call. Hey, you remember Fuqua, brother? Sit down. Yeah, what's up, boss? He just hung himself on Christmas Day. And I go, he just hung himself? It's Christmas. And he goes, yeah. Like, he, he killed himself on Christmas. He hung himself in the garage when his family left to go do something. And I go... 10-4, man, hey, let me hit you back up, boss, in a second. I need, like, a moment. So I hung up, and I go, and I wasn't the only one. There's other instructors that helped this kid. I'm not the only one, all right? I just have, I'm taking the privilege right now since I'm on this platform to talk about it. But there's a lot of us that dealt with this young young man. Yeah. 
And it hit me, and I sat back. I was in Pendleton in my office. I could hear the helicopters. I could hear my Marines joking and smoking, you know, doing what they do. Mm-hmm. And the shit that I love about the Marine Corps, I just miss that so much. And I sit back. I go, hey, you failed, bro. You failed, man. You failed. Like, yeah, you taught this cat how to weld. He had, like, four or five welds, sir, guaranteed employment. He was kicking ass in the trade, man. He was getting after it. He understood politics. He was doing precinct walks. He was a bad motherfucker, man. He really was. And then he had mental health and he never told me. So you failed, asshole. I failed because I didn't create the space in order for him to tell me how he truly feels. So I failed as a leader. Yeah, I taught you how to be a badass fitter, whatever. Jason mostly did all the work. Shout out to Jason Koken, badass instructor. But we made you a good, a good tradesperson, but I failed you as a leader because I didn't take care of your personal home front. I told myself that day, wherever I go in the UA, whether it's organizing, whatever, I'm not going to forget that. Because I could sit here and I could walk with Todd Gloria and hoot and holler about Democrats. I can go and meet with all of our great allies and hoot and holler. But at the end of the day, I wasn't there the day Jacob Foucault took his life. And I didn't have him understand that. And, and so that's where I'm at with leadership now is I want this not only go to kitchen table economics, but I want to make sure the full circle of that worker human being right mm-hmm. is taken care of from their mental health i mean for crying out loud we should be teaching financial literacy yeah my guys go get an overtime job and they buy a big ass diesel mm. that's the first thing they buy right and so what i always, what my passion is and why you've seen you way kind of take a step back you know my predecessor yeah. i love her she was great she was always involved politically i've taken a step back because i want to use the money for my members yeah I, if you come into my union i want to know that you know how to spend your money you know, because when you get this big overtime job in the Lithium Valley and you're making too much fucking money, 100000 in six months, I want to teach you how to invest it. Mm-hmm. I want to teach you how to understand capital. I want to make sure that your mental health is good so you're not going home after a 12-hour shift, drinking a bunch of Tecate, and start yelling at your old lady and just destroying the fabric of your family. I don't want that either. I want to help you there. You know, and so that's where we're at as a union is that we're looking at it from, you know, my managers tasked me out like, you're the future, Sean. You guys are the future, so you make it the way you want to do it. He goes, and, and, I'll, and man, he's going to get mad when he sees this. He goes, we're not the future anymore. It's you guys. He goes, all we ask is maintain the standard of the UA so that we always have the ability to leverage good wages, good conditions, et cetera, but make it your union, Sean. Make it your union. And that's what I feel is that now I want this to be a full picture, right? Because that's why people out there tripping, man. Call what it is. Why they shooting. They tripping because... That full picture at home isn't there, right? Yeah. You know, so I so, feel like I talk too much. So man. Sean, I'm so sorry. No, no, I'll be jamming on this, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's what it's about. I know everything about Chris. Yeah. Uh, these people already know well, everything about us, and they're bored. Well, I, about gr- us. I know you're all talking but, about how you grew up. I'm like, man, but, uh, I could- <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> no, no, I think it's all it's badass. But uh, I was thinking, like, like I don't think everybody thinks this way. I think labor, we pretend we think that 100. way. We pretend mm. we think that way. Yep. Our tweets show that, that we pretend, oh, you're a worker. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Yep. And yeah. then we pretend we're a family. But that's not the reality. I always complain about some people in labor. I, I don't care. Like People, that's why maybe we make enemies. And that's okay, too, that's because fine. I believe we're, we're, we're about getting wages, benefits for everybody. Exactly. Me and Chris are at every picket line there is. And we're even going to go out to L.A. and we're going to join them over there with the writers. We walked with the farm workers up in Northern uh, California. And then we walked with my friend, my friend Ramon. I don't know if you know him, but he was an organizer with IBW 569. Yeah, yeah. And he walked the border. Oh, yeah. He walked the whole border. We joined him a few times. I joined him a few times. One time in Calexico and another time in Texas when he finished. Yeah. That shit hurt. He did it in the summertime. I was like, Ramon, wait. there's other seasons, Ramon. I'm like, there's Ramon, other seasons, there's man. other seasons, Ramon. Like, but you got to get it, bro. You got to get it. But we yeah. walked with him. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Because to me, I'm like, oh, that's your battle. That's our battle. Yeah, exactly. Like, eventually it's going to come to us anyways. Yep. So that's why. I, but everybody pretends they're like that, though. Yep. So I'm like, why, what, what, why do you think you're like that, Sean? Why, why are you so passionate? Why are you so Look, man, like, uh, real? Was right is wrong. Was, was right is right. Was wrong is wrong. And, you know, I'll tell everybody like this, and I don't know how this is going to be taken, people who don't know me, but I don't really give a fuck. I'm going to be real with you, is we're adversaries until we sign on the dotted line on something. At the end of the day, man, I've been lied to. I've been wronged in this game. I mean, I'll I'll be real right now. I mean, I've had people in the labor movement tell me one thing, and then when it came time to to adjust something, they didn't. And I'm like, for real? Man, that's how you feel? Or you ain't going to say nothing when they steal that work? And then I make a phone call to a politician as my friend. 
and you don't react, all right, what's wrong is wrong, what's right is right. And you know what? It's okay to be in my lane. You know why? Ain't no traffic there, man. Shout out to Nipsey Hussle. Rest his soul. Oh, shit. Ain't no traffic in that lane, and that's okay. I don't need to be like. That's not how I was raised. I wasn't raised. I'm about to get passionate because I wasn't raised to be like. I don't want to be like. Man, I was doubted everywhere I've been, man. I was kicked out of school. I went to Opportunity High School because I liked to speak with these when I was a young man, and I had to learn the hard way. Cooper High School up in San Pedro, California. Opportunity. I went to school with Shotgun Cribs, Bloods, all of them from L.A. It was one of those schools where if you acted up in real school, you got sent there. And I earned my way to go back to regular high school, you know what I mean, where I still barely graduated because my dad wasn't around. And so I always tell people, and in the Marine Corps, shit, I always got in trouble. I was a ninja punch king, bro. My buddies watching this right now be like, I always be like, yeah, yeah, I was a corporal, but I went through the ranks a little bit, got demoted. You know, I got in trouble. So what makes me, you know, I always bring up Cesar Chavez, right? And I'm about to get dorky again in my history, but Cesar Chavez was a bad dude, you know, because he says when I did it, when I was in the Navy, that's when it made me a union man. Oh. When I didn't have no damn rights, the Navy taught me to be a union man, taught me to fight. And that's what I'm going to say is my life, right? I never wanted to do this fucking job. I, I just was inspired, bro. To when one of my members would be talking shit on the job, I go, man, I'm going to change that because I don't like to talk. I just like to do it. But with that being said, it's my life, man. I'm from the hood. Mm-hmm. I went through all the processes. And now my kids go to private school. We're Catholics. We've worked really hard. We're investors. We own property. But I also grew up from the, I'm from the neighborhood. And then I did it the bootstrap way, man. I sold hot dogs. I, I mean, I, it's my life that brought me to where I'm at today. Yeah. And my want to do this job is because why do you have to tell me how to live my life? Why are you on city council calling me vulnerable? Why are you telling me that you think you know what? Republican, Democrat or not, man, I'm not that. I'm a human being. And that's what I hope these young kids are. Yeah. Is like, As these kids are getting older, you know what I mean? Our generation is I'm only 36. And these kids that are younger than me, I hope they rise up and say, you know what, fuck this. I'm not necessarily a Democrat. I'm not really Republican either. Because it's okay to like money. It's okay to make money, man. Mm-hmm. It's okay to get on the internet and be an entrepreneur. It's okay to start a coffee shop. It's okay to hustle up money. And it's also okay to pay your workers right mm-hmm. and be 100 about it. Because I own real estate. We do. Me and my wife own real estate. But I would have never been able to buy low-income real estate that we do in Section 8 that we do in other states without the money I made as in the labor movement. Right. It's like a balance, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I'm not really a Democrat nor Republican, and I'm proud of it, man. Because I'll tell people right now, and anybody to their face, I don't care if it's President of the United States, is, look, you better get a good pulse on your people. Because right now, you want my 100% opinion, is a lot of these Democrat and Republicans, they don't got a good pulse on their people, man. Because yeah. there are a lot of people that don't participate. And we can go over numbers about who actually voted and who's registered and all that. Yeah. Man, it's a whole lot of us that don't give a hell about what's going on. Yeah. They're not participating. So you got little factions basically controlling the life of what? What? 80% of our people? Mm-hmm. And that bugs me, man. It really bugs me because it's like you're, you're saying, so you tell me you got electrified, bro. What about Abuelito who uses gas to make tortillas? You're going to yeah. tell her that's a cultural staple. So now she can't do that? Or Korean people, how, how we use Wong, Asian American people? Mm-hmm. Like, and so you're making decisions for the rest of the people because they're too busy to be engaged in politics. Because yeah. all my members got to work. And so it... it I know, long story short, I feel like I'm doing the 6,000-word answer. It's my lifestyle, man. And really, I got pissed off. People trying to tell me how to live my life, trying to tell me this is how you need to believe, or assuming because I'm a Polynesian, Pacific Islander male, you just assume my politics. Yeah. You just assume this is my politics, or assume this is what my people need. No, I'm good with all that. How about I lead by example and just tra- change the narrative, man? Because we could talk about Labor Party. That's what I think we need. That's what I you think. Because so I think the, the Democratic Party are great for labor. They really are. They're good for our people. Right. And unfortunately, Republicans are also good for our workers. Right. Because businesses create the capital that our workers make, period, that we share. We share. Right. And what's happening now is both those parties are just kind of getting crazy with it. They're like Mm -hmm. just going farther apart. And unfortunately, I mean, let's be honest, man. Is any of your friends Republican or Dems? Call it what it is, man. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody out here in this little room right here, ask, call it what it is. Y'all Dem or Republican. I bet you everybody. You're a Dem or Republican. Oh, yeah. shit. Well, there you go. See? Yeah, so it all depends on how you want to look at it. You know what I mean? Awesome and so, Republican. That would yeah. be awesome. And be honest with it. When you was a Marine, you probably was a Republican. You know, you probably yeah. leaned conservative, just like I did. You yeah. know? I, so. I think, I think, honestly, it's a beautiful thing that we linked up. I'm glad we met up at the Starbucks and stuff. Yeah. Every time I saw you in the political coordinators meetings and stuff like that, and then you spoke, you're obviously, like, loud and 
very well, it's passionate. Well, I can't hear, by the way. Everybody thinks it's not passionate because <laughs> you can't hear. My right ear is better because yeah, yeah, I like to be on the right-hand so, side. Bro. I like to have my, when I go to a bar, I like yeah. to have whoever's sitting next to me yeah. to be on my left <laughs> so I can hear them better. Because Matthew, you know Matthew Lebo because I was yeah, yeah, cat, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, and he's all like, hey, why are you always yelling at the council? I'm like, I'm not hateful, I'm not yelling, <laughs> yeah. dog. I'm, I can't hear. It's called, yeah. you know, just my lifestyle. You know, I've always been active and but stuff. I, so. But yeah, but I think I always thought like, dude, I want to link up with Sean. I always wanted to link up with you because I knew you were real though like because the way that you mm. word things and you talk about things i'm like no this guy's real dude and i've been told other things about you from I other know. people i know <laughs> and i'm I like know. no dude this is not him i'm like this yeah. is and then now we're here they get the illusion bro like they you know and i don't even want to know nor do i give a care about what people That's say because awesome. i'm on my own game bro yeah. you know what i mean I, look look i, I told my members because we, we we shifted we're not the same period yeah. and you know when people hate or they spread misinformation or run their mouth I'm doing something right. Yeah, exactly. I'm doing something right. And even if it's within our own labor movement, that's what organizers do. Yeah. I hold everybody accountable. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to go out there and I'm going to hit it out there, hey, uh, Bill Howe, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Heating and air. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to try to organize your workers because I want to see them have a better life, right? That's what I want to mm -hmm. see. If I'm going to hold you accountable, you best believe labor movement, I'm going to hold you guys accountable 100% because I want to be doing my job. And far as I'm concerned, I don't really talk bad about nobody. I think yeah. you know that. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll speak like, yeah, this bullshit. Yeah. But I never say anything about a particular individual because that's not the game we play. But I always tell people, nah, man, we just say what you got to say. We're going to roll. We're going to keep stepping. Everybody, uh, Juan Perez, Organizing Monster here. I'm Chris Lopez, your union brother on TikTok, Instagram, all the platforms. All the platforms. We got all of them. Yeah. But you know what? All of this costs money. Everything costs money. These microphones cost money. Producing this costs money. So we need your money. We need your money. And uh, it's exciting time right now. The The approval of labor is high. We're doing this podcast right now. And we've done like nine podcasts or something like that. It's, been really, it's been really cool. We've gone to picket lines. But we want to go to more picket lines. We want to bring union or bu uh, bus national all around the country. And um, how, do you, how do you donate if people want so to So you donate? can donate by going to patreon.com backslash union or bust we're on spotify uh youtube facebook all of them and you know we have a lot of uh subscribers a lot of dedicated we just want to thank everyone for you know watching us and you know we like to mess around but uh, all right just subscribe give us your money bye <laughs>